This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 176 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Saturday, May 6th, 2023. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, joined by my co-host, the Intrepid, Captain Logan. And in this episode, we discuss the disappointing launch of Arcane's Redfall, and we'll ask if we're still able to find the fun in the game. Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, gave an incredibly insightful interview over on Kind of Funny's Xcast. Shout out to them. And we'll break that down a bit. And then lastly, we debate just how bad or good the year has gone for Xbox. As always, we hope you have enjoyed our show. Logan, we like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made our gaming weeks better. But first, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I, I really, I don't know. It's just, it's been a, it's been a heck of a week. Uh, both at work and at home and with gaming and stuff. So I don't know. It's weekend. I'm I'm just happy. You know what? You know what? I, I went out last night with uh, my wife after you and I were playing with some friends and I had dinner and we, it was a, a teriyaki chicken with rice and salad or salad. And like, it's like it's my favorite, favorite type of food. Mm-hmm. So uh, I gotta say like uh, for, for a week that was pretty, pretty hectic. Um, mm-hmm. It ended on a pretty nice note. Uh, at the end of the week. So I'm, I'm just enjoying the weekend at this point. <laughs> How about nice. you? No, man, I'm I'm really good. I enjoyed uh, my week as well. And I wasn't sure I was going to because we've had so much in the gaming space. We, we did a lot of Jedi playing. Uh, oh, yeah. For, for coverage for that. Uh, of course, we had a lot of a lot of Xbox news that was try- t- tough to keep up with. The Redfall launch, which I know we're going to get into, uh, brought with it a ton of conversations. But last night, we played for several hours. We played, what? like three hours of, of Redfall and then jumped over to Fortnite for about an hour after that. Yeah. Um, played with Joseph Moran for, in Fortnite, played with James Suddy in, in Redfall. It was fun. We had a good good end of the week evening and then uh, I stayed up and played more Redfall and then and crashed, man. It was, it was, it was a good, good end to the week as well for me. So that's nice. cool. Yeah, That's man. good to hear. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we like to start the show with words of kindness. Uh, who are your words of kindness for this week, bud? Um, so I... I was I was thinking about like some of the people that I've played games with this week, and uh, I had a good time last night when I jumped in after all was said and done. Uh, some of the keelhauled people were jumping out in the Sea of Thieves, and they needed a fourth, so I helped them out, which was really nice. It was good to to kind of talk to my friends there as well. Um, but Fran Mirabella, he uh, he's he's still part of kind of funny, but he does um, late night streams, like super late night for PST, mm-hmm. and um, he has like a few of of like his his community who are. Um, you look like you're dying. Wow, hi. Wrong pipe. You, you, <laughs> Wrong pipe. Forget how to drink. 
Oh my god! Um, so uh, Fran plays games, and he he generally brings in chatters that have you know been part of his community for a while that he trusts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he brought in a couple of people, and I was able to jump in with him to uh, play some Redfall. And I went through a whole bunch with him uh, to kind of push through a lot of the story and kind of get an experience, uh, which was on his save. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But it was it was nice to kind of get to to hang out with. Uh, his chat with himself and um, kind of go through some some gameplay and stuff because he's a he's he's one of the few creators that I think I, I uh, gravitate towards because mm-hmm. of his knowledge, his experience, uh, his outlook on a lot of stuff. He's very very tempered when it comes to opinions and thoughts and stuff, and he's always looking for sources mm-hmm. when it comes to news. And uh, you know, as as someone who loves to talk about game news, um, right. it, it he's a he's a real good luminary for. Um, are a, a journalistic integrity that I, that I think sometimes gets mixed uh, or miss or no lost 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 yeah. sure. gets yeah. lost in, in like the Twitter verse. That's cool, man. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I met tw- I met Fran briefly at a Bethesda conference in like one of those passing, you know. Mm. Um, but that's really cool. I didn't even get to got to game with him. That's cool, man. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. He's and, very very good community. Awesome. Awesome. Well, shout out to Fran uh, and, and his community, man, because that sounds like you guys are having good times there uh, for sure. And of course, the Keelhauls crew. Always love hearing about them. Yeah, um, they're, they're awesome. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Daniel. And I'm so sorry, Daniel. Uh, Wolenzik. 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 I think it's always Wolen- cool. Say it. Yeah, I think it's a uh, it's it's Wolenzik. I'll go with I that. like Daniel. I'll back it up. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I love Daniel. Um, always positive over on Twitter. Always, you know, saying kind words, being supportive. Very nary a negative word. Uh, and often using the find the fun hashtag, which is something I really appreciate because we really do try to find the fun in our games. Um, you know, whether it's it's Jedi Survivor, whether it's it's Minecraft Legends, Dead Island, uh, and of course Redfall this week. Finding yeah. the fun is something that we really like to do. He's always using that, and then of course. Uh, He's just supporting his gaming community because I think he does uh, the nerd chat, um, which is really cool. And so see you online, Daniel. You're awesome, man. Definitely um, appreciate it. Yeah. And oh, what's with the company starting to use the find the fun out there? Right. What's, I what's saw up with that? Vince Zampella owes me royalties, sir. Yeah. Uh, that was my thing. And he's out there. He's like, we need to find the fun in our games. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been saying, sir. We're, that was been, we're trying to find was... the fun in your games. <laughs> i kid i kid yeah he, they, respawn respawn does not miss they had a rough no. launch but that second patch for jedi man that cleaned up a lot of my concerns and i really really am having a blast with it so that's how, i want um, another I'll, one yeah <laughs> you want another patch you mean yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair uh well logan uh one of my favorite things to do is our patreon pitch where we uh appreciate everybody that takes the uh, time and, and energy that they put into gaining money and then throwing a couple bucks our way. I often think of Patreon as our tip jar, where uh, where people support the show by watching, retweeting, liking, sharing, all that stuff. And Patreon is kind of the tip jar. And uh, we put those tips towards making us look and sound better. And so I'm so appreciative of that. We gained two new members this week, which is awesome. awesome. And we we also put out the Xbox wrap up this week for our tier three patrons. And yeah. that was my favorite episode to date, man. We put up, uh, we did our, talked about our favorite Star Wars games, mm. which couldn't have been more timely. And that was just a great, great chat. So uh, tier three patrons, if you haven't checked it out, that's on audio and video now. So so you can go take a gander there. But let's, let's shout out our new members. I'm really excited by this one. Let's get to it. 
Yeah, man. Uh, I want to shout out Silent Cipher, who subscribed at tier two, uh, which was awesome. And then he also welcomed me as a guest over on Xbox International Podcast. So Silent Cipher, you're awesome. Thank you for your support. Uh, and then Xbox Skittle. He subscribed at tier three, which is amazing. I hope you enjoy your tier three content, but so cool Xbox Skittle. So thank you uh, both for becoming new patrons of XCP and helping us look and sound better. Cheers to you. Yeah. And thank you to the to the other tier two and tier three shout outs for for, uh, you guys. You're supporting. We love you so much. We've had some really fantastic conversations in the discord this week. I even built out a thread just so that we could talk about the uh, the the news that we're going to be talking about, but with other folks to to kind of it's so nice to get like rounded opinions. But thank you to the to the Discord members, the patrons that are in there, uh, chatting on a regular basis. So thank you to Silent Cipher, Xbox Skittle, African, aka Charles Jones, Game Positive, Zach LeCouture, the Jam Pack Sam, Matt Valdez, Neo Prime Thirty Three, Rick Davis. Red Beast, Xbox Mike 29, Matt Without Fear, The Lord Sir Master James Suddy, Brendan Myers, aka The Winner Gamer, Sony's VP of Marketing, Kevin Butler, Clint Coombs, DJ Hero, and Dano12. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Really do. Yeah, big time. Always a pleasure. And man, they really did have some great discussions. I was afk for a lot of the the day in the past few days with my eye and just like not doing screen time yeah. and uh getting to jump back in and kind of read through man rounded opinions by gamers who play games on all platforms and have really thoughtful takes and that's the best part about curating a community man so it's just people that want to be there and chat and enjoy yourselves so that's cool yeah definitely so. well logan uh let's start uh second place down in our notes let's go to the redfall review we've been playing redfall a lot yeah. Um, and I think it's worthy to talk about Redfall and then get to Phil Spencer's uh, wonderful interview over on Kind of Funny, where he addressed Redfall and a number of other things. Um, and I want to ask the question, has Xbox had a bad year? Um, because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of that kind of take in the wake of Redfall reviews. Uh, and so let's take a gander here at, at just what Redfall is scoring, because it's mixed and interesting. So. VGC scored Redfall at a 4 out of 5, Survivor 7.5 out of 5, PC Games uh, 7 out of 10, and Press Start 6.5 out of 10, Metro 6 out of 10, VG 24-7 3 out of 5, Gaming Bolt 5 out of 10, Games Radar 2.5 out of 5, Well Played 4.5 out of 10, GameSpot 4 out of 10, Kind of Funny 2 out of 5, Metacritic 62, Open Critic 65. I think there's more interv- uh, that have gone out uh, to yeah. this. IGN came out, uh, they were four out of 10. Mm, yep. Yep. Which is it's, low. it's a little wild. Yeah, it, it's, it is low. Um, the funny part is I've put in, I think I'm North of 12 hours at this point. <clears throat> mm. I could agree with everything in that review list. Anything between a, a five and seven, I think it makes sense for me with the exception of the fours. I think those are a little low for me. Um, I saw some people giving it a nine. That's not true at all. That's that's a, oh. a little bit silly. Um, but uh, I really have a lot of mixed thoughts on Redfall, and I know you do too. But yeah. anybody that's talking to me between five and seven, I'll agree with it. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it because this is a, a conundrum of a game and certainly not what Xbox wanted to deliver as a tentpole title. Uh, this was kind of the the their two major tent poles of 2023, uh, and it's absolutely disappointing critically. 
uh, and seemingly uh, with a lot of fans for some interesting reasons. But while I will all in say, yeah, it disappoints on a number of levels, 12 hours in, I'm having fun. I'm finding the fun, but I fully <laughs> agree with all the criticisms. It's a unique place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am so surprised by this game because I've, I've got just under 17 hours mm-hmm. in, in it. And um, yeah, the criticisms are valid. I'll, I'll be honest. And I've, and I've gone through, I've listened to other people and I've listened to what they have to say and what they pointed out. And there's some very, very, very uh, keyed in things that even I would be like, you know, no one mentioned this, but I, I honestly feel like the, the AI, while it's not good, um, I think is bland. Uh, I, I, th- I think that they really didn't come up with anything very creative for what they could have done with the AI. So it's like, I see things like that and I'm like, yeah, I, I 100% see the criticism and I agree 100% with it. At the same time, for whatever reason, I like shooting vampires and I like staking them. And, and the, the setting that we're in, while it is empty, it is, it is really, really well thought out as far as like how stylized it is. Like it just looks like a really cool environment and, and you don't get that too often. We had a uh, really good conversation with Ainsley Bowden over on Cast Co-op, which I'll point people towards uh, because when we recorded that, it was Monday. Embargo had lifted 15 minutes prior uh, to when we went live and Ainsley had played over 30 hours of the game. He did his review on Season Gaming, which I'll shout out right now. Um, and I had played three hours of the game at the time because we got our codes. We did get codes for this one, guys, uh, Sunday afternoon, which is yeah. very late because the game came out Monday. So we didn't have like review timing. And, and that's just as well because we were playing Jedi. Um, but I had had three hours. He had had 30 hours. And we were saying almost the exact same thing, uh, which mm-hmm. is which is telling, I think, for a game like this, because now at four times what I had played last time and still maybe halfway through the story because uh, the story changes about halfway through, according to Ains, and I've gotten to that point. Um, it It's a strange thing. The AI truly is bland, uh, and you can manipulate a lot of fights, and you'll die very rarely unless you're not paying attention, which I don't pay attention sometimes. Uh, and it, it certainly deserves a lot of criticism in a lot of areas because the AI does not perform well, and so fights don't get very creative coming off of dead island where the environment is used consistently to destroy zombies the environment here is set up to destroy vampires but isn't used very well like if you'll you'll shoot things to make them explode and stuff but it's not very creative in how it's shown and yet fully agree with you the environment is is wonderful it's very atmospheric this game should have come out around uh, october because it really feels nice and spooky and fun and i like the world a lot um Mm. And shooting vampires and those cultists is fun, albeit extremely mindless, very mindless. Yeah. But I'm enjoying going around and just killing it. But I think, I think in my time, you can see a lot of what this game has to offer in the first few hours. And you'll decide if you like it or not. But I venture to guess that people playing the game will kind of catch that bug that we caught. If they go in with an open mind, you'll play it. and You'll be like, oh, this doesn't work well. This doesn't do well. This doesn't do well. And then, you know, you'll be removed from the game and be like, I kind of want to go play Redfall. That happened to me a few times. You know what this game reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 
in the way that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order um, and, and hang with me, crew. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm like, where's it going? <laughs> Jedi's Jedi Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is a game that has a broad appeal due to the Star Wars IP. Mm-hmm. It is a fantastic game, but it is got some some very heavy borrowed elements from Dark Souls and Souls like games. So if you're not familiar with those games, then you're going to be put off instantly because it is tough to have to learn how to dodge and parry and go with those mechanics. But they give you a lightsaber, which is so much fun that you push through. Mm-hmm. Redfall is kind of like baby's first Far Cry. It has all of the elements. It's kind of like a division game where you have to go out, you have to get safe houses, and you have to clear out neighborhoods to be able to to finish the quests to get the skull that you need uh one of three to be able to go to uh the the first boss in the first zone um so you're going out into the world you're you're uh getting into resource um you you know areas where you need to you know have safe houses to to get more med kits to get more ammo uh you're getting incrementally better gear as you go and you get special things uh like as far as like legendaries and stuff um, and you're just kind of clearing out the map as you move along from quest to quest to quest to quest, and you're uncovering the story as you do, much like a Far Cry game, much like a Division game. But it is so dumbed down, not in a, a you know, you're not smart enough to figure this out kind of thing, but just this didn't have the care and attention to really flesh it out to let you know, like, okay, this is what you have to do after you do this. The breadcrumbing is not nearly as intuitive as it could be. Like there's a map, but everything's gray on the map except for a couple yellow points, but they don't tell you what the yellow points are. Um, and there's no waypoint to let you know. Like you have to physically put your own waypoint down if you want to know the direction that you need to go to go to those things. So in in some senses, I could see this being a great game for those people that love the the staking vampires because i think that is the satisfying thing that you get when you when you're playing like star wars jedi fallen order is you get the lightsaber you get to cut things in half uh with one of these type of open world action games that have you traversing the map to clear out nests to take down uh you know like cultist um camps things like that and but it's it's so it's so simplified that you can kind of you you can kind of you know shut your mind off and just run around and shoot things and and the ai is is dumbed down to the point where you're not really in fear of of you know getting too overwhelmed because all you have to do is go around a corner and they'll they'll lose aggro and they'll kind of walk around confused so it's not like there's any there's not really any kind of fear from from them because of the type of ai that they that they put in but would you agree with that or would you would you think that maybe I'm making a weird comparison? It's a comparison that makes sense once explained. I do understand what you're what you're saying and I do appreciate uh how initially it can be a little alienating when you go in, but there is there is something to the idea that like this is a an almost far cry, right? This yeah. is kind of baby's first in many ways and uh frankly, I feel like everything in Redfall is 80% done. And oftentimes the best parts of a game come together in that last 95. And this is what I'm hearing from like, you know, raising Kratos's documentary and a number of other like developers saying that I don't know that firsthand. Um, But it kind of makes sense because you can see critically awesome things throughout. Like 
there's a red mist that prevails the the game and you beat it by shining uv light on special uh like blood bags that are inside of it but it never tells you that right and it feels like they meant to do that uh Mm -hmm. there are certain ways certain mini vampires that go throughout the game that that are uh, mini bosses, I should say, but it doesn't really explain what their role is. And there are certain ways that you yeah. progress story missions and it doesn't explain how this happens. And there are no cut scenes in the game. There are stills that play almost infamous one and two style and comic well, that, book style throughout. That's and the that, weird thing is that those, those stills, most of those like between missions and stuff, those are all fully rendered. So it's like you see your character in the cos- cosmetics that you're in. And it's like, well, why didn't you guys just, it, it, just animate it? It's already rendering. Done. I think they they triaged what they could <laughs> and couldn't finish in the time that they had, and they they put out the, a product. And yeah. um, I consistently see things like that throughout Redfall, and I enjoy a lot of it. But there's no way to not be critical of it either, right? There should be cut yeah. scenes. And then when you replay, you call them audio logs. I don't know that I call them audio logs, but like there are memories that you can play through at different points in the actual story or side missions. And they're not very well explained as to what role they play uh, at different points. But there are some really neat uh, mission styles. Like when you go to the Hollow Man, you're playing in a giant dollhouse in a weird mystical world that to this point in my story, it's not explained why that is. That's a cool concept. You get to the boss fight. It's kind of kind of undercooked, underbaked in many ways. And so there are a lot of really good ideas in Redfall that are almost executed upon. Yeah, and that's kind of my kicker. The loot system very lackluster. You have your your common, rare, uh, epic, epic, legendary yeah. cues, but they really don't do much because if you just take the higher level one, you're better off. Um, Always go with go the better, to- the higher level one. The the yep. stats on those they don't mean a hill of beans, right? And when you go through, you and I, when we were first exploring the game, and the first part of us playing together, you were wanting to want to stop and loot everything. And yeah. I was not paying attention. I couldn't have cared less. Just the two different natures of the types of gamer we are. And I just was going, hold, tapping X a lot and then moving on. And what's disappointing about that is for fans of Fallout and fans of, of looter shooters, there's a big benefit to going around and looting. And the game teases you that it's like that, similar to Borderlands or, or whatnot. And in fact, it's not. And walking through and holding X in this case was the is the right thing to do because it all just defaults down into currency, which amusingly is called, what is it? Doubloons? Doubloons, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's frustrating to me because they built a system that should serve gamers like you, where you want to go through and find your best stat and min-max stuff. And it yeah. kind of doesn't. It's just, there's no real point to it. And so it's kind of frustrating. But, but I will say into that, in, in kind of in finding the fun um, everything that you loot aside from ammo and guns and med kits, um, immediately gets broken down. There's no inventory that you have to manage. It immediately turns into the currency that you use to refill your ammo, to buy items, to buy restock on things. So it's like they understood like, yeah, these are going to be pointless and you don't really need them. But, uh, you know, for, for not running into enemies to be able to loot what they, what they drop. Cause you know, if you kill a guy and he drops a gun, you don't get to pick up that gun. That's not how that works. Um, which, but you can, which was off putting at first and then immediately dismissed. I was like, all right, fine. Yeah. It's, it's, you find, you find, uh, weapons in bags and in trunks and in items and stuff that that's where you get your weapons from. Um, but like 
for the most part, you know, they understood like, hey, we're not going to have time to build out a crafting system or, uh, you know, a resource system, um, a la most of the stuff that you need. Like, you don't need to collect anything to upgrade your weapons. Like, that's just not a thing. Like, you upgrade your weapons by getting levels and finding better weapons in the game. Mm-hmm. And all the weapon yeah. types are, are the same. There's a handful of them. They're all called the same. They're just varying in, in level and quality. So once you find the weapons that you like, uh, you can just carry as, as, all of them that you want. And the ammo systems like Fortnite, where you just pick up all the ammo that you want. So if you if you want to swap out your UV beam gum at one point because you're out of ammo to a pistol, which you haven't used at all, um, there's there's nothing stopping you from pulling out your pistol and being able to use all of the ammo that you've held on to for your pistol. The let's touch on the weapons uh, and the weapon shifting specifically because you're allowed to carry three weapons at yeah. any given time. And on an Xbox controller, it's very frustrating because you have to cycle through in order. There's mm-hmm. no way to like hold Y for an extended period to pull out your third weapon. Or uh, if you want the second or the, the first weapon in your inventory, but you're on the second, you got to cycle through the third to get back to it, yeah. which seems very non like that doesn't seem to be a big deal in conversation but then in practice uh it it can really make or break uh some hectic moments in the game and and to your point earlier it's pretty forgiving game because of the ai and just the way the fights play out yeah so it's not it's not a problem but it's an encumbrance and that's a lot of the issues that we have with red ball are encumbrances and um those weapons like let's say you have one of your three which you need to shift to get a uv beam to service a certain uh, game moment. There's no way to do that quickly. You got to hit select or the menu button. Uh, then you got a left bumper over to your loadout, click on your gun that you want to swap out, go into the menu, click the gun that you do want to swap in, then B button back out to get to back yeah. to the fight. And no, all of that is happening in real time, whether you're playing single player or multiplayer, there's, it's all very, uh, there's a lot of encumbrance in that. And so everything's yeah. going on around you. There was a, a moment last night. I don't even know if you remember it, where you were just like, uh, Luke, you're getting attacked. And all I was trying to yep. do was get a UV beam out. And you're like, hey, you're 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 taking damage. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know. Like, and I had no indicator that I was taking damage. No. Uh, that, that I noticed. Yeah. I was just the, in a menu. The so. the menu is is a hundred percent an opaque thing. It's it's like it's like switching, it's like turning your back on the game because you have no idea what's going on in game. Mm-hmm. And uh and that's a little bit frustrating, I think. Um, some of the weapons are fun to use others. I really did not like, and I think it's a preference thing, but what do you like? What uh, do we, what do you like? What do you go for? So, so my character is a sniper by nature. My ultimate is a really good sniper rifle that head headshot locks on. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I have a stealth, like I go cloaked. I have Jacob is the character. Um, yeah. and I like Jacob a lot. In fact, that cloak has come in very useful and the head, the headshot, uh, super sniper rifle has come in very useful to putting down some bosses very quickly. Uh, whether that's good or bad is debatable, but I put up a clip where I took down a mini boss in 10 seconds. Just yeah. Burp, 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 done. I was like, okay, that's a mini boss. Is that good? I don't know. I It's fine. Um, <laughs> but my loadout is at the moment um, a assault rifle, which I think is a great default, yeah. uh, a shotgun, and either a UV beam or a sniper rifle. And mm. on any gun that I'm able to, I apply a stake because it's just annoying. If you take down a vampire, you have to stake them to kill them or use the UV beam. If you take them down with a shotgun or AR or pistol that doesn't have a stake readily available to it, attached to it, uh, you just switch weapons to go up and stake them, which 
cool in premise, not as effective in practice. I feel like it should just be a default. Do you have a stake or not? And done. Um, and, yeah. and, and and to be clear, like there's no there's no weapon degradation. You don't have to technically equip the stake to a weapon that has the ability to have a stake. The stakes are automatically there. The the stake you that can't you go see. In and add it. No, no, no. It's it's just a. It's already there. It's just there's a skin. No, you can go in and add a stake to weapons. How? <laughs> I realize why you're confused because it doesn't tell you this. Uh, there, <laughs> you go into the loadout. Click on the gun and click details. Yeah. And then on the left side is skin. On the right side, if it can be, if you can add a stake to it, you click on that and then it gives you a number of different stake options and you can click on that. Okay. So I never I, saw I, the I never saw the part on the right. I only ever saw the skins. I saw the skins as well. And I found myself this morning going in and adding stakes to weapons that didn't have stakes. Oh my God. Right. Now here's my here's the fear of me telling you this. What if that was a bug? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, but that's I absolutely true. added stakes to two different guns this morning. Interesting. Um, which it yeah. was. And it was I, I've, I've defaulted that. to the I've defaulted to having a a some sort of like assault rifle because there's a couple a couple variants out there or a shotgun because both of those for sure have stakes. And then I'll have either like a UV beam uh uh or a sniper or like a um uh what's the other one the stake launcher which is really fun because that's it's kind of like that um what's the impaler in in halo infinite what's the thing uh oh my gosh i'm looking right at it i i'm, I'm embarrassed because i don't know i'm on the spot yeah. here uh i know what you're talking about it's the stake gun i will i'm gonna look that up what's it called what's it called i'm gonna look um, it up it's uh so yeah it, it's it's effectively like one of those things um, but it has a magazine, which is really nice. So the, that, like I've, I've been using those because if you headshot a, a vampire with one of those, it's a lot of damage and you can almost, you can almost one shot a vampire in the head with one of those, which doesn't make sense. It should be in the chest. It's <laughs> skewer skewer. Yeah. Okay. Skewer. So yeah, it's like a skewer with a magazine, yeah. uh, which is, is pretty fun, but it uses like, it uses different, uh, different types of stakes. So you find stakes mm -hmm. out in the world and it could be like a broken pool cue. It could be an iron rod. It could be like a, just a wood stake, a lot of different uh, options yeah. there. So, but the, it's, it's little things like that. I think that are the annoyances. Like when you complete a mission, you have an option to hold two buttons. One is either B or one is the, uh, the start button. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, or the three lines to go back to the firehouse or to close the menu. Everything that you do, whether it's learning something or a mission or some sort of like tutorial, you have this little panel that pops up on the right. And if you don't, if you ignore it, you can still keep playing through the game. It'll stay there forever. Uh, but you have to hold down B to close it. And sometimes that bugs out. Um, but the, the fact that they designed it so that it has to be something that you can't just quickly clear, uh, frustrates me because it's not, it's not taking into account that the information can be recalled in any, in any easy means. Uh, and also that it's, you're not, they're not taking your, your atmosphere into account when you're, when you're getting that pop up, usually it's at the end of a mission, but if there's still enemies at the end of a mission from a different area that have come in. Um, then you're, you're sitting there trying to get rid of this menu item so that you have more, more visibility on your screen to actually deal with what's going on. 
I think what's most frustrating about it is it's almost good. Yeah. Almost good. You know what I mean? Like you can see that it was almost there. And that's that's the point I keep going back to. Um, there are several. One of the things I like doing in games, open world specifically, is clearing maps. That's fun, right? I'm anxious yeah. for this wave of big games to release. And I'm not rushing myself through Redfall or Jedi because I want to enjoy them. And I know you're anxious for Tears of the Kingdom. But I'm, I'm looking forward to when I'm kind of calmed down a bit to going back to Ghostwire Tokyo and just clearing some map stuff, you know? Yeah. In Redfall... I did not, so I progressed to the same story beat as you in my single player, as you were one that you had a save ready for us. And mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Why was he so excited about this? What? Like, what? He's at the same spot I am. Well, there was a thing that I had not done in my game that was not very well explained, which is uh, you have to get certain types of skulls to open the next big phase, and it didn't explain well that I needed to do that. And so I was like, well, how do you do that? I was going through and clearing vampire nests instead of clearing neighborhoods because in my mind, the nests are in the neighborhood. And you were like, no, you've got to go to this wall in a safe house, pick up the mission to clear the neighborhood. And I'm yeah. like, oh. And I'm sure it was on a B button that I cleared quickly uh, because there were a, there are a lot of those little sidebars, things that pop up too, too many times next to each other. One or two I can handle, but four at a time, five at a time, I'm clearing them by the fourth and fifth. Yeah, And so... Not very well presented. Maybe not. Maybe it's well explained, and I dismissed it. But not very well presented. Then caused me to be like, "Yo, what? What did he do that I didn't?" Because I'm further along in certain story parts than than you were at the yeah. time. You had gone and cleared neighborhoods. I had not. I did that last night after we were done playing multiplayer, mm -hmm. um, and really enjoyed myself. That was nice. It was going clearing a map, getting a little mission done. And missions aren't hard. I like easy games. Um, yeah. And so I felt good. I was just going through shooting cultists and doing my thing. I like going stealth. I like being having the super sniper. Um, you have a really cool traversal means with your character that I don't have. Yeah. But in not explaining how to get those skulls, I suddenly was stopped from progressing my main story. Mm -hmm. And that became a problem, I thought. And then yeah. I want to compare the boss fight we did at the end, which is the, the hollow man. I mean, I'm not going to spoil the game for anybody, but I will say the multiplayer version of that was very hectic. So many ads being spawned. Whereas when I played single player, it was very easy to manage, extremely yeah. easy to manage. That's a different element too. And, and because it was easier to manage, I could see what was going on and see the, what they were going for and what they were mm -hmm. going for was cool. They did not work in multiplayer very well at all. So. Yeah. The, the idea was there. You could see like how they were trying to use the arena that, that the boss is into to try and give you like a reasons to traverse as opposed to standing in one spot. And they, they tried to give you enough uh, resources to be able to manage it and stuff. The, the fight itself, while a spectacle it falls short of tuning. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a boss fight that was very interesting. Um, it was cool, but it wasn't interesting. And I feel like that is, that is like at the heart of my review for, for Redfall is, is cool. It's just not interesting. Um, I liked the, the Rook fight, but the Rook really? fights, I like the Rook fight in, in, because it's, it's cool. It is cool. Like there's a storm that comes in. He's a big dude. He's got a hood, you know, he's, he's like running around. You think he's going to like, you know, beat the ever living heck out of you. But then it just, it's just, it's another vampire fight with a little bit heftier hit point. For context, listeners, the rook shows up when you've bothered the vampires enough across the map. 
yeah. that you that you, the vampire god has been watching you and is finally like you know what i'm sending my enforcer after you yeah and you're right it looks cool the cool lightning storm and everything else but i just backed up and shot yeah it's not interesting Mm-mm. yeah no. but the vampire nests like the vampire nests are cool are cool but they're not interesting. Um, you go into a vampire nest through a doorway. It's a twisted version of Redfall, which is in, in Maine. Like and a dream state. Like it, a dream yeah, state. like a dream state. And you go through and you you clear out, you know, a few vampires here and there. And then you get a little bit of a, a hefty wave towards the end of it. And at the very end, you're presented with this big crystallized heart with a bunch of um, tethers to it, to victims that have been kind of crystallized in blood uh, that are kind of, of anchoring this this vampire nest. And you have Which to go and you have dope. It sounds dope. It's cool, but it's not interesting. And it's because when you get done with releasing the victims, that's it. There's no boss. There's no there's no final like, oh, how could you? You know, there's no mm-hmm. creature in the in the in the heart to fight. It's just that's it. Then then it's a then it's a one minute loot sprint going around trying to grab as many of the, the weapons out of the little crystal, you know, hollows that they have in there before the whole thing collapses. And if you and if you get booted out of it, like if you don't leave within the within the amount of time, it doesn't matter. There's 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 no reason for you to have to rush to the end. You don't have to leave and lose and, and risk losing everything. If you go and you loot everything in the game and it collapses. You still get to keep everything. Yeah. So there's no there's strange. no risk involved right. with the timer. Because you and I were rushing each other, like, let's yeah. go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then we lost. And we were like, no, we got everything. That was weird. Yeah. Um, so there was so it was cool, but it wasn't it wasn't interesting. And mm-hmm. and I think that that's kind of like like I, I'm glad that they did it, but it wasn't there was nothing really like there was nothing really like, wow, damn, I can't believe we did that. Cause you know, had they had had they, uh, you know, pushed us to to get out at a certain amount of time, maybe giving you a little bit more time mm-hmm. um, for that, and you didn't do that, then it had like reverted you back to uh, the the state that you were before you went and did the nest. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that would have been more interesting because there's a risk and reward. Like you're going in there and stuff, or maybe if the whole nest had been a timed thing and you had to push through to try and get as much done as you could. And instead of like releasing the victims, you just had to shoot them and then you could start collecting all that loot, but you were on the timer the whole time. Then maybe that would have been more interesting than again, percent done. Yeah. 80% like the idea is there and those nests on the map. If you don't handle them, their sphere of influence gets bigger and the vampires in there are stronger, but I didn't notice a thing of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't notice a single bit that encumbered me. No, um, and the the last thing I want to touch on is the because we do need to move on to our next topic the mm. the characters. Um, I really like Jacob going stealth, having the super sniper rifle, but traversal is really a pain in the butt with him. Whereas you have this really cool teleportation mode, and then another character, um, Layla. Layla has that really cool elevator kick up. Yeah, that is really really helpful. So like my character does some dope stuff, but traversal is a pain. Yeah. Devinder, I think, is secretly the best character because you get the lightning javelin, which will kill vampires in a in a weakened state. It'll also shock people, too. So they'll get stunned. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the little teleporter portal, which you can you can either translocate yourself. You can translate translocate your your allies, but you can also uh, pump up the skill tree, which the skill trees. I'm I'm just going to say it's worthless. There's there's nothing 
There's nothing exceptional in there. And you get XP too slowly. And you get XP too, way too slowly. Uh, I'm I'm 17 hours in roughly, and I'm only like level 14 or 15. Like I, I should be it. like I should be like level 30 at this point. And I think I'm uh level 14 as well, because I gained XP while we played on your save. Yeah. And I'm level I'm 12 hours in on the game total, but like. I want to touch on that too, by the way. Go go quick, yeah. Okay, quick, R- real quick. Um, whoever's playing, whoever's hosting the match. First off, the fact that the 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 fact that you can't invite or you can't jump into someone else's game at any no point, like progress. you, yeah. The the story progress is all tied to whoever's hosting it. I've had to do the Hollow Man two times now, one on someone else's save and one on mine. I I hate the fact that I have to play on a save that is roughly around the same level as what I am if I want to actually progress. But if I want to progress, it has to be on mine. And I, and I, and it's so hard because I like playing with friends on this game, but I can't recommend playing with friends if they want to be able to play beyond where we are on their own, because they're going to have to go through and play everything that we did all over again, which means that if it took four hours for us to get through to, to hollow man, they're going to have to play four hours to get to hollow man if they want to go play uh on there or they're going to have to wait till we play again and that's it's a timing thing it's not a fun thing to have to try and work around as adults agreed and given that according to ains because i've only just started experiences after hollow man where you go to an entirely new map yeah uh, the game really changes and opens up and is more exciting and i i played maybe half an hour past hollow man and i could see it i'm like oh I see there's more, the world is more lived in, more enemies, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, this is probably a more fun version. And I'm like, why Why is this five to six hours into the game? You know, and how many people are going to bounce off? Because I told Ains in that cast co-op discussion uh, that I think he and I are saying, I think most people are going to have what I had. Like at that point, I had played three hours of the game. And I think no one's going to go, I think very few people are going to go past that. But there's clearly fun to be had here. And, um, I, you know, our community, we, we thrive ourselves or pride ourselves and thrive in the idea of finding the fun. There is fun to be found here. Yeah. And if you have game pass, you should check it out and see if it's for you uh, or down the line, wait a little bit because they're, they're going to be doing some more improvements to the game. Yeah. Play the game then because there is fun to be had here. Uh, it's just not the 10 pole win that it absolutely needed to be. No. So, well, uh, in that, uh, Redfall played on Game Pass. Wait to buy it. Uh, we we got codes for it. Know that I did purchase the Bike Back Edition. Did a fun little v- video on that one. I'm don't know what the Bike Back Edition really brought me. If I'm being honest with you, uh, I know I got some cosmetics, but like it was more to have a steel book and and so it goes. Uh, before we go to our next topic, I just want to plug something. We are going to be talking to Erica Lindbeck. Uh, yeah. The week that this comes out, we'll be talking to her. Uh, she is the voice of a number of gaming uh, characters, including Peppermint from Hi-Fi Rush, Misty in Cyberpunk 2077, Amy in Fortnite, uh, and her her resume is just incredible. We're looking forward to chatting with her, and we'll get that up on the channel soon. Uh, so definitely stay tuned on that one uh, and watch your feed for it accordingly. Logan, Phil Spencer uh did a wonderful interview over on kind of funny's xcast their xbox podcast um fun fact i was on that show years ago and i would love to go back uh but the 
the interview I th- was not intended to be about Redfall and the disappointment. It was originally intended to discuss ID at Xbox titles. And of course, there's a logical pivot because the idea was they were going to be celebrating Redfall and then talking ID at Xbox. That was not the case. In fact, Redfall <laughs> was such disappointment that that dominated the discussion. Uh, and the question was asked uh, on a number of cases like, well, how did this happen? What's going on? And I thought Phil Spencer was very candid uh, in this. And I wonder if you wouldn't uh, kind of lead this debate here because I, I watched the interview myself. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I must credit kind of funny with a great interview uh, set there. And I thought Phil's candid nature really helped. Yeah, this was this was a really, a really fantastic insight. I I discovered stuff that it was nice to hear the confirmations for a lot of things that we'd kind of talked about in the past and things that we've we've kind of assumed with Xbox. Um, but the to hearing to hearing him talk about it uh, really was sobering to to kind of recognize like what's going on. First off, the fact that he had a, a Republica gaming ally on his back shelf um is is a real testament to this that being what i think you've talked about where you you think that the handheld market is going to be left to third party for xbox um so it'll be very interesting to kind of see where that plays so we're going to get some more news on that which i i want to cover in the future but the interview was kind of broken down into three sections there was uh the initial kind of cma take and what's going on uh there was the the redfall discussion and and uh studio discussion in general and then there was kind of the discussion around the showcase and what we what we should expect with that um so to kind of kick things off the cma uh blocked we talked about this last week blocked the acquisition for microsoft and uh activision blizzard king um phil Phil's very confident and and plans to appeal the CMA's decision. I was very happy to hear that because I think what they've defined as a market of gaming for cloud uh, structure does not actually exist yet, but I can see their concerns as far as Microsoft having too much strength in that market when it does come to fruition. Uh, so I think that there's an, an easy an easy way for them to kind of point at that and be like that. And again, I go back to the fact that they glossed over the console thing. So it's clear that everyone understands where Microsoft sits and that's no, no longer a concern. Um, ABK is, is uh, Phil had talked about this. He said that it's not their strategy, but it's their accelerant for their strategy. Mm-hmm. And this was something that I wanted to get your thoughts on, but I think that what he's talking about here is the mobile marketplace. I think, what Phil wants to do, and he talks about this towards the end, which I'll, I'll talk about with the uh, the showcase aspect, um, is that Phil sees Xbox as more than just consoles and PC. He also sees it as mobile. You know, cloud streaming is a very strong market that they want to push towards. It's why they've been signing 10-year deals with these different companies. It's why the CMA is is blocking. They see like what's going on, and I do too. And I think that ABK is less about Activision Blizzard and more about King. And I think King is what's going to help them push deeper into that mobile strategy. Because if I'm being honest, I think there's a world where Microsoft has their own store on Apple and Google phones. And I think that if they can get the the legal the legal uh, way or the 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 legalities of that worked out then i can see a future where they're going to sell their games on your phone without having to to give a cut to apple and google for every purchase but what did think, you what uh, did you think of something like that 
So we're at CMA and ABK. Is that uh, like the cloud-based approach that they're they're making? Is that what you're asking me? Like he, well, he says like the ABK thing is not their strategy, but it's an accelerant, accelerant. to their strategy. Do you? Wh where? How did you kind of interpret that? Um, I appreciated the sentiment because it certainly makes it feel like ABK is in doubt now in a way that it's not. They have 14 markets to clear, and according to Phil in this interview, they've cleared nine of them. Yeah. Uh, which makes good sense. Some of them non-issues, uh, but US, UK, and EU, kind of the big major ones. I think they cleared Japan, which was cool, yeah, um, and, and a bunch of others. And they were surprised by the CMA uh, rejecting the ABK deal on the premise of cloud gaming, a market that, to Microsoft's approach, they don't believe exists yet. So how could they truly be uh, dominating a market leader, right? So it makes sense that they would have an accelerant to this proposal because what they want to do is get Xbox as a property, uh, as a brand in front of people. And that is done no longer by solely having a console base. And so the ABK being accelerant to it allows them to open up to a mobile market, have uh, an install base, but also the knowledge to build an install base by way of King in a way that they wouldn't have otherwise. They're also using Game Pass to flesh out an online games of service catalog that's available anywhere. And you look at Activision's portfolio of games like World of Warcraft, Call of Duty Mobile. Those are two very prominent, uh, high-profile titles that you don't need a dedicated, uh, branded, proprietary device to play. You can play Call of Duty Mobile on your phone. You can play World of Warcraft on a number of different types of PCs. That uh, market permutation without having to have a proprietary device is the knowledge that they seek. It's the accelerant to the idea of log into Game Pass, play wherever you want, which also kind of runs parallel to the idea of have an, an app store on a device, right? The kicker with that is a Google Android powered device uses the Google Play Store an iPhone uses the Apple iPhone store. Those are monopolies in some people's minds, and there are debates about that. Funny enough, with this ABK deal going on, there's also been a lot of battle in the EU about uh, monopolies and Apple uh, having a monopolization on their app market, and you have to give a cut and whatnot. And so Google and Microsoft have been very much on the same side during that battle. And so the ABK acquisition being an accelerant makes good sense because what they've been doing is fleshing out their catalog since the initial announcement of Game Pass. Uh, they brought in In Exile, Obsidian, Double Fine. They brought in uh, whoever makes State of Decay. It was second party and then they were first party. Uh, under, uh, Undead Labs, pardon me. Uh, and then to make a $7 billion acquisition of Bethesda and bring in uh, that knowledge base, distributing games of service with Fallout 76, having the, the Elder Scrolls approach, uh, all very, very good in its own right. Adding something that is so powerful as the ABK branding and knowledge base is the key accelerant to that strategy. Um, I would like us to, to touch on his statement of why losing the Xbox One generation was so important and how they're not going to out-console the, the other two console sellers because I think that's why they need this accelerated strategy abk deal to, to push that strategy because they are no longer in the business of trying to one-to-one -one win a console generation because to their strategy that does not exist any longer yeah okay so we'll we'll kind of let's put the the redfall discussion that they had on hold for right now let's talk about the xbox showcase because this was something that was addressed 
about uh, from Paris Lily, who who wanted to kind of understand like where are we at with all of the studios and the projects that have been announced since 2021. Um, Phil a didn't, lot. Yeah, Ooh. Phil didn't sugarcoat this at all uh, about Paris's comments about them not delivering in 2022. Like he, you can tell like he was really hurt to hear this because it's it's you know it really hurts to hear him talk about this because it feels like Phil wanted to have a stellar 2022. And it didn't happen. And he was very disappointed and frustrated about that. Um, they went into uh, the, the the discussion about them being, them recognizing that them losing the Xbox One generation uh, was one of the hardest things that the, that the Xboxes had to deal with. Because in, in their mind, they lost everyone building up a digital library. Because that was where that's where going into the the next generation was going to lock people in wherever they had their digital library. Cause if, if, if you buy games or if you buy movies through iTunes, chances are you're, you're going to stick with Apple for a long time because you need access to those movies. It's where your library is. You're going to be loyal to the ecosystem. Now you can, you can get around that nowadays because they've offered their app on multiple things. Uh, and I think that's what's going on with Xbox. Xbox realizes that they didn't have an opportunity to win over gamers with good games and a good bit of hardware uh, to be able to build up their digital libraries the way that did with uh, the the PS4. So that what a I, candid statement. What a uh, right, statement. like it, um, an amazingly candid to find out like that's what they that's what they pulled away from from the Xbox generation. It's why we got games with gold as you as you pointed out in the show notes. It's why we got cloud and play anywhere. Uh, it's why we got Game Pass. They needed a cheap way to build out library for gamers. That's why they're introducing games at a first party level day and date with their their launches on Game Pass because they want to try and make up ground for people not having those uh, those those digital libraries from the Xbox One generation. And they recognize it. What's interesting is how counter to Sony's strategy that is because Sony's uh, approach was okay they want and, and Sony won that generation by a margin of two to one or better and it's interesting because Sony has put so much time into developing their games for PlayStation and the PC games are a recent thing and they're an afterthought uh, so anybody that's got a PlayStation you're buying it for that first party experience and the PC games come later which allows them to focus on quality of distribution, quality of release, focused, uh, this is where you make it. Whereas in the need to build a digital library, Xbox said we'll also do day and date PC. And that, I believe, has led to some of the, the fracturing of top-tier elements of it. Like Halo Infinite to, launches very well, high 80s Metacritic. I think Halo is a great game. It disappointed yeah. on the games of service side, right? Yeah. But Redfall is our example, uh, most recently, obviously, where... It wasn't done like it's clearly resources were spread too thin for a number of reasons. And the approach of trying to fill out that digital library very quickly, get the games out there, PC, as well as Xbox uh, X, S, X, that has caused a quality control problem. So in the need to counter the Xbox one failure by building out a digital library, they addressed it by saying day and date PC available on game Pass, available on cloud, all these places you can play it that gets you your digital library. But the byproduct of that is less emphasis on focused one platform release, which can lead to quality problems. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's 
like the choices that I've made with where I buy games has a lot to do with where I can access them. Mm -hmm. Um, I typically do not play like if I'm playing my, my Nintendo switch or my PlayStation five, those are in the living room. Uh, if I'm playing Xbox games, I can be in the living room. I can be in the bedroom on my phone. I can be at my computer here. I can play on my Xbox behind the computer. I can play on my Xbox one on the other TV over here. Like it doesn't matter where I, where I go. Cause I can have access to those. And it's his, has pushed me away from steam and more over to the windows store or the Xbox app on PC because I've already got points there. I've got credit that's available to me. You know, I have the, I do the, the, the points every month to get the 10 bucks. Yep. So I'm, I'm getting currency for a store through all the places that I play. And that helps kind of build up my digital library on my PC because I, I never got into steam that much. I was always through the blizzard store. So it was never like a, like a, Oh, well, you know, I'll just get it. I'll wait for it to come on steam. Now with PlayStation, it's like, yeah, they have really good curated games, but they're failing on the PC side of it because it was never intended for PC from the get go. So the ports are having a lot of issues with that. And it's always been a later thing for those. So they are constantly like, that's the reason why they hiked up the prices is because they need that influx of cash at the beginning of the game's life to feed for their next games and their next studios acquisitions. And the PC is kind of scooping up the market that um, didn't buy the console. And, and, and it's, they're, they're going to have to do some quality control if they want to maintain the good, the good, uh, uh, the, the, the positive vibes that come from it being a, a PlayStation game. You know, if it comes out and it plays poorly, it's just like with issues going on with Xbox right now. It doesn't matter if it's a fun game. If it doesn't play well, no one's going to play it because they don't want to play a busted game. Mm -hmm. the, but to, I'm sorry, so, go ahead. Oh, I was going to move on. But if you please, if you got please. something else. Oh, please. Okay. Um, so uh, it was it was interesting to kind of hear um, in talking about the Xbox showcase uh, that some of the lessons that that Phil has kind of learned from, from Redfall as well. But um, it was nice to see that uh, IGN's video of running Redfall uh, on PC at 60 frames and knowing that it was going to launch at 30 on consoles, that was something that I was like, it's good that you guys are, are specifically going to show what is representative of the console experience from here on out and having better transparency about what console gamers can expect to see because that was he called that out he said that was a problem like he was yeah he was lamenting that i want to be clear for any listener that didn't catch it um he was upset with how that was shown and he said yeah. he was upset with himself uh as well as the leadership for allowing that to happen because it's not fair to their what do they say the, the console owners are their primary stakeholders they're their yeah. most prominent supporters something something akin to that i'm paraphrasing it wasn't representative of the console experience, as you said, and he was upset about that, which I think is good. Yeah. I'm upset about it too. Yeah. It's, well, it, the sticker on the box, right? Yeah. Covering up the 60 frames. Well, this is the Cyberpunk 2077 issue. Everything we saw was either trailers or PC gameplay, and we didn't see we didn't see console gameplay till the launch of the game. 
And when we finally got to see launch vid footage, because all the footage that was provided for for uh, like it was in the in the NDA that if you were going to be reviewing this game, you had to you had to use the video footage from CDPR, which was very telling about the quality of the game that was going to launch. This is the same thing in my mind. This is the exact same thing. You're showing a game that's running on PC at 60 frames per second, and then you're launching a game on console at 30. That is that is mismarketing. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's, um, it's, it's unfair to the player base that's purchasing and spending money in there, and it makes them less inclined to spend money in your product. I, uh, I said on Twitter, I said on Cast Co-op, I maintain, despite my enjoyment of Redfall, Redfall is bad for Xbox. And clearly, based on the interview, he's right like i'm right like it, it is bad for xbox because of that and and phil actually opened up about this he said that there's an expectation from gamers when a, a when a, a studio goes from a third party acquisition to a first party company there's an expectation that needs to be addressed and they didn't address it when it came to redfall it, it, he talks about how uh redfall was deep enough into development that they trusted that uh zenimax would handle it that they would that they would have that quality there in the studio are uh, you know arcane austin uh have come out with really good games so there was not really much oversight on what was going on with redfall and he and he, he laments about that as well too because he realizes like hey we should have stepped in a lot more when uh we first ac uh, acquired uh, zenimax to, to take a look at, at, at Redfall and say like, hey, you guys are making this on Unreal. We've got some really good people over on, on uh, our teams to be able to help provide resources and knowledge about how to build games on, on Unreal Engine. And he talked about how they have a plan going forward for uh, 60 FPS that uh, people from the coalition, from, from Rare for Sea of Thieves, had helped with uh, Arcane Austin to be able to develop that plan on how to get 60 frames per second for Redfall. But that plan should have been back in February, or not February, back in uh, the fall of 2022. Like mm -hmm. it should have been in place well before now. And he, he, he talks about how going forward for acquisitions, they're going to they're going to step into those rooms with those studios, take a look at what they're building and say, okay, where are you guys, where can we offer assistance where we have resources from other teams? Because this is this, it's something that happens a lot between the teams uh, in, in Microsoft Studios. So it was really interesting to kind of see like where, like how he was basically admitting like, you know, we, we, we didn't, we didn't stick our hands in the making of this, of this cake mm -hmm. when we probably should have helped out a little bit more. And, and there's ahead. a line to walk there. There's a lot. Yeah. So I appreciated the way he talked about this because he took responsibility. He didn't lambast Bethesda, Arcane, or anybody else. In fact, one of my favorite things he said in that interview was, I would bet on Arcane again. They're great creators. They didn't have the help they needed from us, and that's on us, and that's on me. Um, he did talk about how he and I, I believe he named dropped Pete Hines um, and a, a, one or two other Yeah, people. a couple other people. Yeah, and he's like, yo, we need to have some conversations about how this goes about so this doesn't happen because it is damaging to the Xbox brand. And I think that's a fair statement to make. He wasn't talking about how they were going to go in and clean house and fire people or whatnot. He wasn't. Yeah. He's like, this is on me. We should have fixed this. And he's right. Uh, they should have fixed this. It should have been better. But it wasn't to me a damning, like, you're all bad and this is your fault. It was a, hey, we should have done better. 
And I appreciate it also in that same element, wanting to bet on them again and wanting to go forward and like make use of their knowledge base across Rare, across the Coalition, people that work with Unreal. The ideas do need to be shared in a better way, more streamlined way. And I believe armchair analysts sitting back in our chairs talking about games, playing games, uh, they've been they've got a lot on their plate as a company and they're spread too thin. And some people may not be built for the role they're trying to inhabit when you've got ABK, when you've got a number of other acquisitions, when you've got to be studio checking on, when you've got to do a showcase and build and build and build and prep and prep. I think the wrong people might be in the wrong places, but not necessarily bad people I, doing a bad job. I, I, it's, it's interesting. And, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm Charlie Dang, you know, uh, pointing to the different, you know, to the wall of, of, of evidence and with the strings and stuff, you know, maybe I've got my tinfoil hat here. I recall Pete Hines, um, getting a little bit of flack on Twitter a while back after the acquisition for kind of stating about how, um, there was a little bit of, of like a, uh, him hawing about him, like the the whole like going first party and, and going just on Xbox and not being on PlayStation anymore. Do you remember anything about that or am I making making this stuff I'm up? I'm not in saying my head? you're making it up, but I feel like that's something I probably would have quickly dismissed and just moved on from. Okay. The reason I ask is because it seems like one of those things where um like I it it's <sighs> He's got a boss now, and he probably didn't like that. If I had to guess, <laughs> yeah, I you remember know? something about that. I can't remember, so I won't, I won't I, because they because they had that round table where they all sat down and they basically said the only thing that changes is that Bethesda is part of Xbox, but Bethesda has largely operated independently. Yep. Um, and Redfall has been in production since before the acquisition. Um, and while I appreciate the the desire to please the people that that create games for you, and that's important right? That's how you get your pentiment. That's how you get hi-fi rush because, uh, and I believe Phil addressed this as well. You don't want to pigeonhole a studio to making only what they want to make. Uh, otherwise we would have gotten evil within three and hi-fi would have never been created. Pentiment would never have been made and, and such, but uh, so, so there's a balance between allowing creators to create and not forcing them into a, a square peg round hole, but also, uh, curating the first party experience to be top notch. That's important. Yeah. I, I remember what it was. He was apologizing to PlayStation fans for the Xbox exclusivity. That's right. And that was taken out of context, I felt. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what I'm, I'm misremembering, too, is, is that that's kind of what's going on. But it, 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 like Phil said, there, he, he recognizes the expectation that mm-hmm. when, a, when a third-party studio gets acquired by a first-party console manufacturer, that there is now a quality level that needs to be upheld mm-hmm. as a first-party um, it's, it's one of the things that I think uh, a lot of Nintendo fans are annoyed with Nintendo about, about how they have these amazing AAA experiences from these third or second party studios and they never go and acquire them. It's like they they never want to commit to making them a first party studio because you'd love to see them make more IPs from that, that franchise, from that, that console, uh, mm-hmm. in that studio. Um, but to, to kind of keep moving on here. Uh, it was really interesting to me that um, Redfall was deeper into development than Starfield, given the scope of of when they jumped in and started to address Starfield. And it makes me wonder: is was Starfield kind of around the same time as Redfall? But they saw the 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 Todd Howard you know baby that that Starfield is going to be, mm-hmm. and they wanted to ensure that that was the next Halo. 
mm-hmm. um, after Halo Infinite, and they didn't put as much attention on Redfall as they did Starfield, or is Starfield actually been in a shorter amount of production time than Redfall? Because if it is, the scope that they're talking versus the amount of time that they've had to build it, uh, very interesting there to kind of think about like how that's going to land. It does not inspire confidence, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, and that was one of the questions at the end of the interview. Some of the short questions was uh, Xbox, or not Xbox, uh, Phil Spencer. Snowbike Mike. Uh, Snowbike Mike had asked Phil Spencer. Um, I was going to say Xbox P, P3. Um, but the uh, Snowbike Mike had asked if uh, Starfield, if we were going to get the answer at the showcase, uh, if Starfield was going to be a 30 frames or 60 frames game. Mm-hmm. Given the knowledge that we were seeing footage of Redfall at 60, Phil knew that it was going to launch at 30. I feel like that was an easy win that Phil could have could have dropped. And and it concerns me that he didn't answer that directly right then and there the way he did when uh, Paris was sugarcoating the the um, the 2022 uh, lineup that that we missed. You know, he was he was like, no, we, we failed on 2022. On this, it could have been so easy for them to say Starfield's going to be 60. And, mm-hmm. and they didn't. And I don't know if that's because they didn't want to pull pull a, a nice little key point out of the out of the the Xbox showcase in Starfield Direct that they wanted to have. Um, but I, you know, this is a very catered interview, and and they there was definitely things that they probably wanted to make sure that they didn't spill before the actual showcase. Yeah, there's uh, two possibilities on that one. The first is that they want Bethesda be able to speak for Bethesda. Yeah. The other possibility is more likely it's not going to. Um, but either way, they need to be cautious in how they approach marketing for Starfield now at this point. It needs to be transparent, upfront. And uh, I got to tell you, if they had discussed Redfall as launching in a way that Grounded did, and you know, you're going to have a year of early access, you all get to, get to play it, it's going to change. And they had launched at 30 bucks instead of 70 you'd have been different. You'd yeah. Been different. That you'd was something different. that, um, that I want to jump into now with uh, Redfall. Um, cause, uh, uh, we, and unless there's something else about the showcase that you want to touch on. Only the only thing I liked about that, that I wanted to touch on that we haven't mentioned is he said, no one should believe me until they have a controller in their hands. Mm. You're damn right. <laughs> like I, Xbox gives me the experiences I often want. Um, but he's right. And I appreciate that knowledge. It's like, yeah, You've burned a lot of bridges. Um, and this Redfall deal, as we lead into it, uh, is Xbox performing badly this year? Did it perform badly in 2023? It has lackluster given AAA experiences. The last five releases by Xbox are Hi-Fi Rush, Pentiment, Age of Empires uh, on console, Tokyo Drift, not Tokyo Drift, <laughs> Ghostwire Tokyo on uh, Xbox and Minecraft Legends. And all are good. They're neat. Some of them are very niche and they're not going to get mass appeal. But that's a pretty darn good record until you get to Redfall. And that's yeah. to be noted. Next to Sea of Thieves content, Grounded's full release. Next to, to Halo Infinite finally getting on track. Too late, but finally on track. There are a lot of good things happening on Xbox. Uh, expansion for Forza Horizon, I will continue to, to tout that they have wins. They're just not the win they have to have. So, you know, before we jump into Redfall, let's talk about that, because th- this was a very telling interview in the sense that 
Phil came out and said, hey, we're in third place and we're not going to get to first by following in the, in, in the same track as in the wake of uh, anyone else that, you know, going and doing what Sony is doing is not going to make Xbox sell more consoles than Sony. And mm-hmm. he, he, you know, this is the thing that I think a lot of people are taking out of context about this, but um, he, and, and, and maybe this is just me, but he says that the, they're going to release games that, that review in the high eighties. And they're also going to review release games that review in the sixties and to not be afraid of releasing games in the sixties. And what he's basically saying is, is that he believes in the creative, uh, the creative of control that the studio should have to make games that they want instead of pigeonholing them into games that they should be making. Um, you know, and, and you look at this and you see like, yeah, Everyone and their mom wants uh, Rare to just make more Banjo games and Killer Instinct and not letting them make Sea of Thieves or Everwild would have been some of the biggest, biggest things to destroy a studio's um, morale. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's why a lot of people left Rare uh, to go make um, uh, 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 Ukulele. And, and I think that, you know, the people that wanted to make the banjo decided to go create their own IP because they wanted to have a banjo kazooie. The majority of the studio voted on Sea of Thieves mm-hmm. and both have succeeded um, in their own rights. Ukulele has like three games now. Sea of Thieves has been out for five years and they're all really good. And I would point everybody to Sea of Thieves launch, State of Decay 2's launch, Grounded's launch. Pretty darn rough. Pretty yeah. darn rough. Bare bones, sixes, sevens, maybe. Uh, nine if you're Xbox era. Um, but like, so, you know, sixes and sevens. And now look at Sea of Thieves. Now look at Grounded. Mm-hmm. And State of Decay 2, pretty darn great for the size of that team, I, I, I would argue. Um, but they didn't launch well. Yeah. And belief in a team, support in a team is important. I don't know where Redfall goes. But as we get into the Redfall portion of that interview where he, where Phil Spencer addressed it and Famous Seamus asked us what our thoughts were on that one. And so we're, we're answering that uh, Famous. Um, I love that Phil would bet on this team again. Yeah. I love that he didn't blast them. Uh, he, like he talked about failed expectations and failed a lot of things, but there wasn't a, hey, you suck. Hey, this isn't good enough. You And obviously that would look bad, but it feels to me like there is a support of that team that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise known about uh, had he not said it that way. Yeah. And I, I want so badly to interview Harvey Smith or Sadie Boyd or uh, Ricardo bear because I'm having a lot of fun in this game that admittedly is not launched well and uh, deserves criticism, but I'm having fun with it. What was interesting was, is that according to Phil, um, they saw that the creative vision, because there's been a lot of questions about like feature complete, um, you know, you polish, things like that about Redfall. Like, you know, is this game actually done? You know, we talked about it. We, this game feels like it's in the 80 percent of making the game. Um, and Phil talked about this. He, he addressed it. He said, as far on paper, Redfall hit the creative vision of what it was going for. Mm-hmm. And the crash rates were expected in the margin that they should be for the game which to me says that there was no reason that them delaying it another three months or another six months would have significantly impacted that game 
mm-hmm. which to me is kind of a, a an admission that a game is going to launch bad and they're okay with launching a bad game if it if it if it hits the checkboxes of yes we we completed the game it's feature complete it 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 delivers on what we wanted it to do as far as being uh the the game that we were setting out to do and he was surprised by the disconnect between what the audience expected and what they thought the audience was going to expect. Uh, he talked about how their their internal reviews, their mock reviews, were double digits higher than what it actually came out at at the time of the recording, which the game was reviewing from critics at a, at a pretty low 60s. It's actually dipped into the 50s now. Mm-hmm. And they they were double digits higher, which means they, at, at the bare minimum, expected this to land in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Which to me shows that there's a, a big disconnect of being between like what they say is in a, an immersive sim action FPS open world game to what other people are, are finding in it. And right. he addressed like, hey, we need to go and make sure that we're doing better about these assessments because we missed the mark by a lot. And it was nice to have him say like, hey, we're sorry that we that we didn't do that. Um but I, being disappointed, she said disappointing Xbox fans is is something that really bothers him. And yeah. whether I'm finding the fun or not, whether our community's finding the fun or not, because our discord is popping off with people that really enjoyed it, yeah. um, which surprised me, surprised me, uh, pleased me, of course, because I want people to enjoy games, but it surprised me. But the masses are are certainly lamenting it. And I do think logan that there are a number of people that haven't played it that are going to dump on this game and i think that some of that is okay right like some of that is fine you can Mm -hmm. look at reviews and say this game disappoints um but i will say to those that that try it if you go in with an open mind you probably can find a way to enjoy a good chunk of it um that doesn't negate objective criticism of feeling feature incomplete ai being poor levels not being fleshed out there's a difference there between bandwagon dumping on a game and saying it's bad without having played it or addressing and discussing review scores does that make yeah. sense yeah because I, I like a, a lot of the technical stuff like the texture streaming issues the frame rate issues the ai pathing stuff like that can all get addressed mm-hmm. but there is is at its core there are are things about this game that don't feel like um they were able to to really be unique about this it felt like and and i i wanted to ask you like how do you feel about because uh, with gears we've gotten five gears we've got multiple gears games but we've had five mainline gears games the coalition uh has been working on them for a while now mm-hmm. uh three four three has been working on halos for a while now um in halo specifically still kind of missing but then we see studios coming out with games like sea of thieves with stage of decay these new ips and they're kind of learning how to do these games that are outside their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they pop off like Hi-Fi Rush, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes they don't like, you know, like Sea of Thieves. And Xbox is willing to give them and Redfall the time it needs to be able to flesh those games out to really kind of fix them and to build stuff out if gamers are going to be focused on playing those games. But do you feel like that is a, a, a strong way to to, to sell a, a console manufacturing and ecosystem? Like, hey, we're okay if this game fails at launch because we're committed to making it as long as people are, are continuing to play it. 
or should they really kind of like focus on building more quality games? And it's something I've been talking about all week. I don't want, I don't want Xbox to go and make God of War with their own character. I just want Xbox to make games that are on the same level, same polish, the same, uh, the same kind of, 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 uh, like I want the quality in the narrative deliverance of something like a God of War from Xbox at launch. I don't want to have to wait five years for a game to get good. And it'll be on Game Pass, so that's cool. You know, I don't have to buy the game if I don't want to, but there's still people that like to do that. But I just want them to give to deliver the quality on launch instead of saying like, well, this was their first attempt at this. So, you know, it, it was bound to have some hiccups. It's like, that's an excuse, in my opinion. There's enough research. There's enough talent out there. You can hire the right people to make a fantastic game at launch. Sony does it. I want Xbox to do it. And I think that's what frustrates me more than anything out of this. I think price point makes a big statement when you're discussing what it is you want to, to sell your players. Redfall at 30 wouldn't have had the problems or, or some of the problems. We wouldn't have some of the problems we have with it. It would, if it had not been a tent pole, if it had been like Pentiment, Hey, we got this coming out. It's, it's cool. Check it out. It sends a different message. Hellblade better deliver. Starfield better deliver. Avowed better deliver. Fable better deliver. Redfall was an unknown quantity, and I'm okay with a launch like this. I would have been okay with a launch like this had it been marketed as small team, out of Arcane, not Arcane Austin. This is Arcane, or not Arcane Leon, but Arcane. They could have they could have presented Redfall in a way that said, "Try it, see if it's for you." And it yeah. would have been a very different reception. And I think Aaron Greenberg at Xbox proper, I think Pete Hines at Bethesda, uh, and then the leadership teams therein need to discuss how they're marketing, how they're observing, what their internal process is. Uh, because Redfall at 30, I'm telling people to check it out. Redfall on Game Pass without this this hoopla, I would have been telling people, yeah, see if it's for you, see if you like it. Um, Redfall at 70 is insulting to your customer base. It's disrespectful to your customer base. It says, we're okay giving you a broken product at full price. And that's a different uh, a different discussion. And so Starfield has, has got to hit its points, man. It's got to hit its internal points. It's got to hit the external points. They need, they need better mock reviews, I'll tell you that. Um, and they need Avowed and, and Hellblade 2 to really move the needle on a AAA... Uh, barometer thermometer whatever level it's got level sure thank you that's a better word um because they cannot consistently keep just dis disappointing their player base 2022 was not a bad year for xbox but it was a bad year for AAA releases for xbox which means you're going to sell poorly the next year right yeah. uh and 2023 i think has been a good year for xbox where they've released released a bad game and again bad is an air quotes thing here um having fun not a not a great game barely a good game but i still like it it's just so frustrating it's, it's cool it. it's not interesting <laughs> yeah sure yes sure that's a good way to put it and so it's it's it shouldn't have these mixed con i shouldn't be stuck on this conversation i shouldn't be confused by it um it should be no it's great and because all the problems i had with god of war ragnarok yo that game's amazing yeah i here here's what i want uh, for the rest of 2023 Dear Xbox, Phil Spencer, I love you. Here's the discussions that I want to have with Luke. I want to be talking about where I'm at in the game, what cool thing I've discovered, what paths did I choose, 
how I feel about the characters, you know, how beautiful it is, how amazing, uh, uh, good of a time, uh, like how much time I'm losing sleep over playing this game, thinking about it. Like those are the conversations I want to have at 70 bucks. Mm-hmm. Not is this game cool, but it's not interesting. Should you buy it? it should you play it on game pass? Like if you have friends, feel free to jump in, have fun. You'll have a little bit of fun. I guarantee you, you're going to have some fun with this game, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not a, it's not a good game for me. It's a, it's a, it's a mediocre game at best mediocre. that I can still have fun with, but there are so many things pushing me away from loving this game that I have a hard time doing. And all I want to do for the rest of 2023 is play games where I'm just sitting here loving it, gushing over how amazing and what a time we're living in because and I just, I haven't, I haven't gotten that yet. One of the things in that, that same Spencer interview is he's like, I'm really looking forward to showcase. Like we've got a lot of good stuff on there. And then he acknowledges full on, man, you shouldn't believe me. You know, you're right. And you're right. Like I'm excited for showcase show yeah. me what you got, bro. We know, Avowed Fable, uh, Everwild, we know Indiana Jones, we know Perfect Dark, we know all these things and don't know a thing about them. Yeah. Show me the money, brother, and I'll show you the money. I'll spend the money, right? Like, I'm the guy that I, we were going to go to E3, right? Like, I wanted to go to this showcase. Uh, I wanted to to be in there with the best of the best and uh, show it to me. So that was another disappointment. Yeah. (laughs) Let's move it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> about disappointment that email i got oh i polite emails make a big difference pr peeps um all right uh small stories this week uh i thought it was really cool that we saw xbox storage we had a great question from todd oxter last week logan asking about mm-hmm. xbox storage they get a price drop this week the one terabyte memory card is down to 150 bucks i still <laughs> think that's 50 bucks too expensive for a console gamer oh that's way too um, expensive but bringing them down is in the right direction. So there's something, but but I'm still holding out for a hundred bucks for Western Digital. Let's go, baby! Yeah, big time. Starfield got an ESB, ESRB rating of M. Okay, Not the shocked. Rogue Ally. Uh, you're you're excited. You say Rogue. I think it's, it should be pronounced Rogue. Hey, Phil um, Spencer called it a rog. All right. I, know, I was offended by that. Uh, of all <laughs> the things, Phil. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. I want to talk about that later, though. When when we get the May 11th announcement, then let's cover that because that'll okay. that'll we'll have we'll have like actual for sure information about that. If you guys have questions or comments on the the Rog Ally, the Rog Ally, uh, definitely tweet uh, <laughs> at Capped underscore Logan um, because he's got a great interest in this one, and I'm 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 gonna be observing your conversation, listening to your conversation. Yeah. I won't be able to get it, but I definitely am interested in it. Cool. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, if you missed our Jedi Survivor impressions, I know we both played a lot more. I like this patch that's just come out. Check out last week's episode of that one uh, for sure. Um, it's good. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, yeah. So let's look at some listener questions for this week. Uh, this one comes from Mr. Famous Seamus. He wrote in over on Twitter and he says, with Tears of the Kingdom out in less than a week, what are some of your favorite open world games? Uh, I have to to drop Witcher 3 in here. Uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, the Spider-Man games, absolutely incredible. All the Arkham games to me, uh, Arkham uh, City and Asylum and sorry, City, Night and Origins, great open world games for me. Um, Infamous, really enjoyed that open world. Uh, those are those are some of my favorite open world games for all different reasons. 
right? I mean, bar none, yeah. one of the best open worlds is, is what your three disappointed by Cyberpunk's open world. For all the love I have for that, because I played it post patch and everything, um, pretty interesting. Pretty, okay, pretty useless open world. <laughs> um, I thought. Um, I would have to say, uh, Ghost of Tsushima is is definitely one of those open worlds that I just I absolutely love. There was not a bad screenshot in that game. Um, doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, because uh, I haven't played through Forbidden West all the way yet. Um, Zero Dawn, I had a really good time with, especially when I got into the groove of like how to actually play the game. Um, loved running around, going to their uh, different places and stuff like that. I actually had a lot of fun with uh, Fall Cry Six. There's there's a, a point where you can actually um, end the game early, and mm-hmm. I was actually surprised that the game actually let me do that. So I was, I was really happy with that. But that's mm-hmm. a fun that's a fun game. That's got a lot of it's it's a it's a dumb fun game in the way that most Far Cry's are. Um, I actually liked Cyberpunk. I mean, I've I've got like 300 hours in Cyberpunk 2077. I played at launch. I've played on multiple versions of the game uh, when I was covering it. And uh, I just, I love that, that world. There's just, it, it needs a new game plus and it needs better content uh, for DLCs and stuff like that. But um, I'm trying to Elden think of Ring. some, I never Elden played, Ring. I still haven't really played Elden Ring. So real, real, I have a hundred, I take this Ainsley Bowden, um, 186 hours in Elden Ring. Great open world. Yeah. Oh, we're dumb. Sea of Thieves. I wouldn't call that open world. You're wrong. It's absolutely no. it's all an open world. The whole world is open. Well, it's open, Let me tell but you. it's not like it's not a quote unquote open world game to me. Like that is it's a it's a giant arena. <laughs> what does Logan know about Sea of Thieves that I don't, guys? Honestly, it's a little embarrassing for him right now. Right. Like I know Sea of Thieves. Come now. <laughs> there's no there's no bases to cap. There's no uh, there's there's no like missions to go like everything is all I don't know. It's pirates. It's not open world. It, it does not fit into your natural. It's an adventure game. You're not it's taking a, my bait, and I don't appreciate it. I, I it's a shared world adventure game. I will stand by swag uh, for the 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 rest of time. Um, Breath of the Wild, uh, hands down, one of the best, one of the best open worlds. Uh, it got me into open worlds because I had never really jumped into one. Also, calling Sea of Thieves an open world is like saying World of Warcraft is an open world. Get out of here. Uh, is it not? it's a multi it's a mmo it is kind of an open world but it's not a, it's not your your quote unquote tears of the kingdom open world game um Boy, i threw bait out there and you did not take it nope i'm not going to do it in fact if anything i'm going to go into dano's question where he says uh, with the release of redfall what are some games you actually didn't hate had a decent time with but wouldn't recommend people play you got anything Crackdown is the one that comes to mind, but I would recommend people play. I like doing that game. Um, <laughs> Crackdown. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. Like, I really have a lot of fun with that, but I get anybody that's like, Crackdown's not very good. I'm like, I feel you. Like, that was an Xbox 360 game on the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get you on that one. Uh, Destiny <laughs> 2 for me, man. I Avengers. Love- Avengers. Avengers. <laughs> I love Avengers, man. I love that game. It's not, I know it's not, it's not what people want it, but you can have a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah. I yeah. would say, yeah, I would say Destiny 2 for me. Um, I love that game. I would not recommend that game to, to people because it is, it is a money sink 
and it's it's like getting into it's like getting into Pokemon cards. You mm. you can have fun, but you're gonna have to get deep before you have fun, and it's going to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. moving on to the next one, Edward Varnell from Boshrus Network on Twitter uh, asks: Although Zenimax Studios haven't hit their breakout factor with their releases on the current Xbox, do you think their name will shine again in the future? And do you think player support will increase with it? Once one game kicks it off. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think Zenimax's name is actually lambasted so much. Um, uh, I don't think Bethesda's name is as bad. I mean, Fallout 76 would have done the damage, right? And yet people are stoked for Starfield. <laughs> right. But I mean, like, and yet people are excited for Starfield. People yeah. are uh, excited for Elder Scrolls Online content that continues to be very successful. People still play and rent servers in Fallout 76. Um, So I think damage was done, certainly, but a lot of what we see for damage done happens in closed ecosystems. It happens on Twitter. It happens in the podcast space. But the majority of gamers do not exist in those spaces. They exist in in people that work 9 to 5 and don't have time to check this stuff, and they they just log on and go. so okay. I think there is certainly damage done, but I don't think uh, I think if Starfield's a hit, everybody's going to flock to it, you know? So that that's what I wanted to uh, I want to ask the straight up question that I think uh, uh, Ed is getting at here. Do you think Starfield's that next one? Don't know. Uh, we haven't seen enough to know. <laughs> and I, I'm not even being flippant to avoid his question. How can anyone? That was my question. Reliably... I'm, I'm not going to make him. Oh. I'm not going to put that heat on him. Uh, beyond me how content creators and and warriors of consoles will say that starfield's the savior you know nothing except for uh an uh, like a very curated video that they put out with todd howard in 2022 and that's it uh this showcase will be very telling as to where the game's going to stand the answer to 30 frames and 60 frames the answer to what you're doing in the world uh because skyrim in space is the is the tagline skyrim was a travesty at launch right yeah the bugs not a bugs is our feature that's embarrassing xbox can't afford that to be a thing and um i would venture to guess that's why we are see we, we, we phil spencer said that all those resources were sent to bethesda to work on starfield not redfall um but surely surely at this point they're like hey everybody at coalition we're not making gear six you're all helping fix starfield you're all helping you know like stop uh, what you stop the printers everybody stop (laughs) fix the animation do this so you know until we until starfield delivers on the type of detail that you see in jedi survivor where part of the ambiance is a rat running across a rock that you never may never see until you get that god of war level polish um you know we won't know until we see that in in a video and and people are putting their hands on it we just don't know if starfield's the hit uh on paper yes but we saw what on paper did to arcane so and i'm not i would temper expectations so would i yeah (laughs) you have no reason to think that they're going to deliver yeah no reason to they've only capitalized on on uh niche interest games pentiment hi-fi rush age of empires uh and games of service grounded sea of thieves forza yeah. eh, forza is not game of service but but i think okay. it's the expansion so i let's let's oh, play a, a cute little game here um before showcase we're a month out uh give me your mock uh meta score for starfield 82 82 okay 
I'm going to 77. I want to come back after showcase and see if showcase has adjusted our scores at all. And then see how these line up to when it actually launches. Sure. Write it down. You better jot it down. I'll forget. Um, but I will tell you this, buddy, uh, that 82 to me has that Bethesda boost. You know how, uh, like Zelda is going to get that Nintendo boost. Breath of the Wild is great. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Top five games ever made for me. Still don't think it's worthy of some of the scores it got. It's not a perfect game. Um, so we'll see. We will see. Yeah, we'll I'm see. writing this down. I got it. Down, buddy. Yeah, go for it. I think I said 82, right? Yep, 82. I said 77. We'll see what the we'll see what the post showcase has. Can you adjust uh, my 81? I would like 81, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Let Respect the record stand, Your Honor. He said 81. That's right. Uh, Your Honor, I'm standing here for you, but, uh, before you're here today. <clears throat> All right. Guys, uh, we hope you are enjoying XEP. If you are able to drop a tip in the tip jar and show us up, uh, show us some love over on Patreon, that'd be great. If you can't do that, liking, sharing, subscribing, just watching is supportive of the show, and we appreciate you. We really appreciate those of you that write reviews over on uh, iTunes or Spotify. They make all the difference. You can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost, and of course, XEP on all your podcast services. Logan, they need to be supporting Keel Hall. They need to be sh uh, showing you some love. Where should they be doing that? Uh, just head over to um, Keel Hall podcast in the Google search. You'll find it. Uh, just type in Keel Hall. You'll either get a, a, a song from a band called Ale Storm or you'll get my content. And and neither is a bad choice. So I'll, I'll just let you know right now. Just search Sea of Thieves podcast. You'll eventually find Keelhauled. Uh, if you search Logan, L-O-G-U-N in uh, Google, you'll find Keelhauled podcast there or my Twitter account, which will take you to the Keelhauled podcast. So uh, it's easy. Just head out there and search Keelhauled. You'll find me. That's going to do it for us here. Have a great rest of your week, guys. Take care. Bye. <laughs>